you think the listeners may be, may be interested in. Yeah, no, let's, let's talk about the, the different interventions. And I mean, sure. I guess the biggest question that everybody's asking and that, you know, people want to hear is, is ACL injury preventable? Like, is it preventable with these contact, non-contact? What are your thoughts? Uh, end of the day, like, if you were to ask me straight up, are we going to ever find a solution to prevent ACL injuries? No, we're not going to. Uh, it's just, it's, there's so many factors that play a role. And you get into some of the dynamical systems theory aspect of the injury where these different parameters interact with each other and they're, and they're changing. Uh, no, I don't think we'll ever get to that, that point, but we can provide a more comprehensive solution so that on a, on a macro scale, we can reduce the risk of the group. That's kind of what you're trying to get to. Yeah. But uh, from a prevention standpoint, no, it'll, it'll never happen. From a prediction standpoint, like a pure prediction, uh, probably not. No, uh, probably no not going to get there either. But that's that's okay, though, because from, from a, on a group-level standpoint, we can still provide best practices and still, you know, hopefully uh, reduce the risk as a whole. Uh, but from a training standpoint, you're looking at it from a couple different ways. Like, obviously, there's been some more technologies that have that have come out. You have your sensory boards. You have your stroboscopic What are stro uh, like for anybody that maybe doesn't have them? Like, what are those things? Yeah, yeah. So there, so there are eyewear. There's a couple different companies that, that make them. And essentially, they, they flicker at different frequencies. Uh, and an athlete can wear them, you know, on field. You know, whether they're a soccer athlete, basketball athlete. can wear them in, in pretty sports-specific uh, types of environments. Where that's helping out is, like, a couple different things, like, focus of attention, uh, you know, whether it's, it's central peripheral vision, uh, working memory, different, different sort of aspects like that. Uh, reaction time, obviously. Is so like somebody's normal. wearing the glasses and it's like opening, closing and they're playing yeah. soccer or whatever. Yeah, now exactly. if somebody doesn't have the money. Could you tell them like, Hey y'all, we're going to do this linear tempo run and just blink your eyes a bunch of times. Is that <laughs> yeah. right? Not, is, not, nece not necessarily. Is that better um, than nothing, though, is my question. Like, is that a little bit better than not? Potentially, if an athlete can sustain a high frequency <laughs> of blinking while they're doing any sort of high-intensity task. I do get what you're saying, Just Justin. But um, So there's that type of technology, but there's also some of this sensory board technology that you start to see out, synaptic, other types of technology. And I've used some of these different texts uh, through grad school and some other, and other labs that I've been in. Essentially, they're just trying to train some of these underlying qualities, like your reaction time, how well you can process information, your inhibitory control, like I need to react to this stimulus, but I don't want to react to this stimulus, something that you would see like on a football field or a soccer field where there are certain stimuli on the field that an athlete, we don't want them to react to, but there's certain stimuli that we do want them uh, to react to. So if you have the means and you have, you know, obviously budgeting plays a role into this, like some of these technologies we've started to see have been helpful from training athletes from a sensory motor aspect. But again, that's more of like, if you have the funds on the research side, but on the practitioner side, you know, me being realistic in our environment and other environments out there, where I think the best thing for the buck and there has been some, and I can send some links uh, to this as well. I can't necessarily remember exactly who was publishing uh, this, but small sided games are where you're starting to see, uh, some interesting research come out there in, in improving some of these underlying sensory motor aspects. So 1v1 drills, 2v2, 2v1 uh, type of training. A lot of this uh, early research has been done in soccer where you see a lot of these, you know, small-sided games, things like that. Uh, but we're starting to see some of these more field-specific training tasks or, tr you know, training environments that we can put athletes in, uh, improving some of these underlying sensory motor qualities. So that's kind of like from a practitioner-friendly standpoint – 
it's going to be these small-sided types of games where you're manipulating the spatial constraints, you're manipulating the temporal constraints uh, on the field. And this is where athletes are having to react quicker. They're having to be more efficient uh, in, their, in their processing of information, their inhibitory control. Uh, and that's really, again, going to be a sport-specific thing that a practitioner has to, one, reverse engineer the demands of the game, and then how do we put them into these small-sided game type of environments where we're manipulating the spatial constraints and the temporal constraints that are hopefully driving and improving some of these underlying qualities. That's where my biggest recommendation now for a practitioner looking for something that I can do on a team perspective, I don't have technology, I don't have a budget to, to, to invest in this, it's going to be small-sided type of type of games. It's going to be your best bang for the buck. Now, it, what kind of games, how would you have people do that in their off-season training as the strength sure. and conditioning coach? And then how would you have them make recommendations to the sport coach? Because that's the other age-old question that everybody's asking is, right. how can I get this to be implemented by the sport coach so that way right. they don't hurt the athletes? Yeah, sure. Uh, and what's what's nice about like soccer, for instance, is this is already pretty this is already pretty prevalent. soccer seems like the best sport to work with. I, I have yeah. not worked with soccer, but they seem to get it from like right, reading right. the tactical periodization book, listening yep. to Frank talk. Like they seem yep. like they get it. Yeah. So, and, and, then, and, and honestly, like from a sports science perspective, like European soccer, you know, some of the, in the, in the Eastern, Eastern parts of the world, like they've done a really good job. And that's where a lot of the influence comes in the American collegiate setting is from, you know, the professional soccer influence and, in Europe and other places, they're really dialed in with, with a lot of this stuff. Um, so soccer is a little bit easier just because that's more prevalent in terms of small sided games is, is part of, you know, our tactical periodization and some of the things that, that we do here at Clemson and some other places too, where that's already micro dosed within athlete training. Um, but for some of the other sports uh, like, you know, American football, for instance, I think it, it really comes and there's, there are some folks that have started to, you know, implement, some of this similar type of training in, in American football, uh, it really comes down to, uh, you know, having that conversation with, you know, the sport coach and saying, look, this, this type of training can help our athletes react faster or make better decisions. Cause at the end of the day, we're not going to talk about underlying sensory motor qualities to a, to a sport coach. That's not their expertise. That's <laughs> they not don't their, want to talk to us about that's, anything that's, to begin. That's like, not, on, uh. that's, yeah. That's not their domain, but you got to kind of give them, you know, gross, uh, overgeneralizations is like this type of training can help our DBs make quicker decisions and can help our running backs, you know, when they're running through the hole, make a better decision. Like that's the sort of thing that, and the sort of information, the conversation that you have to have uh, with a sport coach, but really you're just trying to under your, your underlying, uh, uh, your underlying role here is to try to train some of these sensory motor qualities. Really at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to one from a visual perspective, our athletes to better recognize the stimuli that's in front of them or that's coming crashing down to the side of them. And then two, that's, that's feeding down to the decisions that they're going to ultimately make. Cause a lot of this sensory motor stuff that I'm talking about really comes from the eyes, like visual attention, visual fixation, perception uh, is really driving a lot of that cerebral cortex responsible for 40% of the cerebral cortex responsible for visual processing of information. All of this information that our athletes are seeing on the field it's it's coming. It's starting. In, it's starting at the eye. And so is injury prevention. Down. Could this injury prevention? We know that's not a real word, but ACL. Right. We you know right. the original question was ACL injury prevention. Is it right. is something as simple as like hey, training the eye to track and training the eye to be able to process information? Like 
Well, that's where if you start to if you start to really dive into it, a lot of these types of devices, training strategies, like it really is, it really are you know more visual dominant type of tasks, right? Like your strobe eyewear, right? What's that? What's that influencing your visual attention, your visual focus, your smart board types of technology? They're seeing they're seeing it and then they're reacting to it. So a lot of it is driven through the eye. But then two, reverse engineering the ACL injury. If you watch some of the video analysis and researchers have started to do this, and you you know kind of go on your own tangent and look at different types of non-contact injuries that are out there, the common theme is that they're not looking at their knees, they're not looking at the ground, they're looking at what's in front of them or what may be coming toward them. They're trying to catch a ball, so like their visual attention is is often elsewhere. But from my thoughts and you know my heuristics, it's if we can get athletes to one, be better visual processors of, of information and being able to see, you know, what's relevant, what's not relevant, uh, you know, react quicker, then that's going to put them in potentially scenarios where they're not at these high risk for injuries or you're seeing these quote unquote faulty types of, of biomechanics. Because at the end of the day, if our athletes had enough time and enough space, they could do any sort of task they want in a very low risk environment. It's when the spatial constraints, it's when the temporal constraints are severely constrained on an athlete, that's where you see these these types of injuries. And that's what these idea of small sided games are really trying to get at is you're micro dosing and progressing the temporal and the, and the spatial constraints at the end of the day. So you can start more, you know, more in large type of, of scenarios where you do like five V five type of drills or five V five plus one. And then you can start to, to make the spatial and the temporal constraints a little more restricted. You do more two V two smaller spaces, three V two. So you're trying to micro dose that and really, dial in to where an athlete has to make these just rapid, rapid decisions. They have to really be, be dialed in. That's at the end of the day, what this type of field training is, is trying to do. It's not really, not really anything super, super fancy or anything like that. You're just manipulating time and space. That's all we're, that's all we're attempting to do.